Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday evening chapel. Well, welcome to the warmest fall that I've ever known around here. Yeah. But you're welcome. Those of you from the Midwest, you're welcome. It's 30 degrees someplace. Just, just not here. Yeah. yeah, me too. Uh, we, have, we have special guests with us this evening. Dr. Peggy Stark Wilson is uh, a longtime educator and administrator. She is, uh, has been on the uh, board of trust, member of the Board of Trustees for the college for as about as long as I can remember. A while. But we won't just say how long. And she was um, recently appointed as secretary of the board. So would you welcome her and her husband, Roger. You need to know that the Board of Trustees uh, meeting will begin tomorrow afternoon, and, um, and, so, and so one of the reasons why the President will give his report tomorrow night is that the Board's in town. Uh, let me encourage uh, those of you who haven't been a part of that before, uh, let me encourage you to be a part of the chapel service tomorrow. It is uh, one of the privileges, I think, uh, that Dr. Graves makes it possible for us to hear the state of the college and also the vision uh, that he has uh, for the college for the coming days. And so I want, so you'll need to be a part. So tomorrow night, 7.30, uh, we'll, chapel service will start just a, just a tad early. So you'll all be here, right? Okay, all right. Just ask the person next to you if they'll be here. <clears throat> uh -huh. Now, now everybody's stuck unless they were, unless they were honest and said, well, I don't know, maybe. <clears throat> okay, would you stand with me, please? I want us to begin with our, um, with our st statement of openness, our statement of um, availability to God. So let's say it together. Hear my Lord, purify me. One more time. Hear my Lord, Purify me. Okay, let's pray. We give you whatever's in the way uh, of making that a reality. Amen. You've heard the prayers of our hearts, Father. You, you alone, not the world. We'll take the cross. Not our way, we'll take your way. Have us. We're in the process of saying yes to you. Help us to work that out. Help us to continue to say, take the whole world. Forgive me, Jesus. We pray now that you will help us hear from you uh, through our sister, through your servant, for your sake and the sake of those who don't know you yet. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to thank Dr. Allen for the privilege of being here this evening. Um, when I got his invitation, I have to tell you I was very surprised because um, I'm not a preacher, okay? Uh, I don't claim to be a preacher. I am a teacher. I've been a teacher for about 595 years. Long time in the profession. 
and I love to teach the Bible, and I love to share what God has to say in His Word. And uh, in my Bible studies, I actually do three of them each week, now that I'm retired. I thought you were supposed to have a totally different lifestyle when you became retired. However, our lives have not slowed much at all, but instead God has filled them with a lot of other things that are really exciting. And so um, I teach this Bible study, and I have one on Tuesday morning, and the, it's in a, a retirement center of independent living, and uh, the average age is about 86, with the oldest being 95, and they make me feel so young because I am young compared to them, okay? So I love going there. It's fun to be with them. And they're a wonderful group to have a Bible study with. And then on Tuesday nights, we have a Bible study in our home that has a, a lot of different people in it. And then on Wednesday, I have a wonderful Bible study in San Antonio. Now, I live in Northwest Austin, but for the last seven years, I've had this Bible study in San Antonio, and it happens to be with about six to eight Roman Catholics. I've not tried to convert them to the Church of the Nazarene. I simply wanted them to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior. And they have all come to know the Lord as a personal Savior. And they are all learning the Word of the Lord for the first time. And it is the most exciting thing to teach the Bible to people who have never read it or never really understood it or never really looked at it. Because every time it's like, Wow, you mean it really says this? Yes, it really says this. And so just recently, we've been doing a study in the book of Acts. And um, we have fallen in love with the Apostle Paul, and we're studying uh, his writings. And uh, in the book of Acts, it was very interesting to me that when I started thinking about and praying and asking God, what, what do you want me to share? Uh, at NBC because I know that you're studying the word, you're, you're in all kinds of different areas of study. And I thought, well, wh where do you want me to start, Lord? And, um, and he just brought this to my mind so clearly that I knew this was exactly what I was supposed to share with you. And we have studied this particular portion of scripture, and I want to share it with you. If you have your Bible, if you'll go ahead and turn with me to Acts 18, I want to read a few passages for you there. And I'm going to read 1 through 3, verse 18, and then 24 and 26. Then Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There he became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife Priscilla. They had been expelled from Italy as a result of Claudius Caesar's order to deport all Jews from Rome. Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. And then let's look at verse 18. Paul stayed in Corinth for some time, and after that, and then said goodbye to the brothers and sisters, and sailed for the coast of Syria, taking Priscilla and Aquila with him. And then looking down at verse 24 through 26. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker who knew the scriptures well, had just arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord and talked to others with great enthusiasm and accuracy about Jesus. However, he only knew about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila 
heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. So we see a glimpse here of the lives of Priscilla and Aquila. And then if you would turn with me to Psalms 37, 30, uh, 23, I want to read that to you as well. This is one of my most favorite scriptures uh, in the Bible. I have it underlined or highlighted probably in just about every Bible that I own. And it says, the steps of the godly are directed by the Lord. He delights in every detail of their lives. Now, I, when I was thinking of a title for this message, because one of the things that Dr. Allen told me was, well, you have to have an outline, and uh, we are going to be video streaming this, and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to be organized. I have to have this ready to go. And so as I was thinking, okay, we've got to have a title. So I thought, okay, well now, when I think about Paul and I think about Priscilla and Aquila, the idea came to me to talk about Paul's social network. And then I went online and I was just looking up Paul and here's this whole book written about Paul's social network. I said, oh, this is not an original idea, but this is a great topic to use. This is a way to start off and, and kind of begin what I want to share with you. And so um, if we were to look at Paul's social network, we would know that in that social network there would be Luke, there would be Timothy, and there would be lots of other people, but high on his list would be Priscilla and Aquila. And I have a feeling that they would be Facebook friends with Paul, were he to have a Facebook page. And um, I doubt that he would uh, ever have ignored their request to be a friend. How many of you have Facebook or you Twitter? Anybody in here like that? Okay, so you know a little bit about what I'm talking about, okay? So I think that Priscilla and Aquila would have been Paul's Facebook friends. And I think they would have stayed in very close contact with each other because it seemed to me like Paul had developed an unusual relationship with this couple. Now I want to talk just a little bit about who they are because they are more than just Facebook friends with Paul. They are mentioned actually six times in the New Testament. They were married and they were lay workers in the church. Paul used them as lay workers. They had been expelled from Rome, as we read in the scriptures, and they moved to Corinth, where they then provided for themselves, as well as providing for Paul and even beginning a house church by being bivocational ministers. So if you are sitting here tonight and you're thinking, it's possible that I may be looking at bivocational ministry, you're in good company with Priscilla and Aquila. If you're thinking about full-time ministry, you're certainly in good, time, in good company with Paul. But when we look at them, we see that Paul actually stayed with them. He lived in their home, and they ministered together. And then when Paul was called to go to Ephesus, they were willing to leave Corinth and go with him to minister in that church. So when we look at these two people... And I want you to notice here that Priscilla and Aquila are mentioned as a team. It's not Aquila and his wife Priscilla, okay? It is Priscilla and Aquila in joint partnership in the ministry. Now, as I was doing some research and looking at different commentaries, and I looked online and everything, it says, there's a big discussion about... Priscilla and Aquila, and it had all this stuff about gender-specific stuff about Aquila and Priscilla and all this stuff. I said, you know, that is really not where I want to go. What I want to talk about is the fact that they were good co-workers with Paul, and they were a team. 
they worked together as a team. And not only did they work together as a team, but when it came time for Paul to go and continue the work someplace else, they were willing to pull up their stakes, because they made tents, get it? Take, stake, take, tents, okay. They were willing to take their tents and pull up their stakes and go with Paul and actually go into Ephesus. And they were to begin a ministry there. Now, if we had read a little bit further, it shows that after Paul got established there with Ephesus, he leads and he, he leaves and he, le he leaves and Aquila and Priscilla remain. So, when looking at lay ministers for Christ, these people were tent makers. They had a job that would bring in an income. They had a house church. They actually had a house church where people came to their home to learn about Christ. They actually were very intentional in seeking to lead others to the Lord. They went looking for people that they could minister to. And being tent makers, they had a lot of opportunity to interact with a lot of different people. And then they were disciplers. And that brings us to the story about Apollos. You know, when I, how many of you have read the New Testament and you read something and then you come back and you think, I never read that before. Anybody like that? That, I, that didn't ever, I never thought of it like that. And so I was reading that one little paragraph about Apollos. And Apollos was a very eloquent powerful, knowledgeable speaker, but he did not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon his heart and upon his life. Priscilla and Aquila recognized that this gentleman had a gift from God to preach, but they knew that there was one thing lacking in his life, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I will tell you tonight that in whatever area of ministry you're in, you can get all of the degrees that you want, and you can be the very best wherever God calls you to be. But if you do not have the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life, it is for naught. You will not have the power that you need, that God needs you to have, to be able to be successful. And they recognize that. Now, you know, Priscilla and Aquila could have looked at him and said, this guy is just too much. He knows everything. We're not going to talk to him about Jesus. I'm sure his heart's not open. We're just going to let him go on his merry way. They could have done that. And look what a loss that would have been. But instead, they invited him to their home. And they told him the truth about Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And Apollos, his heart was open and he received that message, and he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then there's just this little bitty scripture that follows in the next chapter that says that Paul, Apollos then went out and became a powerful, life-changing evangelist for the Lord Jesus Christ. So th this couple had a powerful ministry in not only being friends and co-workers and supporters of Paul, but in making a difference in the life of Apollos. So when we look at them, we see that they made a difference in their community. And I want to ask you that even while you're here at NBC, are you making a difference in your community? Because you should be. If you're not, you should be. God wants you to make a difference where you are right now. He doesn't want you to wait until you graduate. 
He wants you to be making a difference right now. So when we look at, at this couple, we see that they befriended Paul and opened their home for ministry. They contributed financially to the building of the kingdom because they never gave up their tent making. They discipled Apollos and they served as lay leaders in the church. So we see here there's this wonderful picture that we have of this couple. And then in addition to that, when you look at their lives, there are some really unique characteristics of lay ministers and of followers of Christ, any follower of Christ. And some of those characteristics are that they were obedient. When Paul asked them to go with him, they didn't hesitate. They followed the leading of the Lord. They were obedient. They were loving. They were giving. They were accepting. They were inviting. They were hardworking, committed, and most importantly of all, they were teachable. As followers of Christ, we need to always remain teachable. If I ask your professors here tonight to stand up and any of them to tell me, how many think you've learned everything there is to know in the Bible? And if they stood up, then we would fire them tomorrow, okay? Because that is not a follower of Christ. A follower, and I don't mean that really, we really wouldn't fire you. I'm just saying that, you know, to make a point. But anyhow, you understand what I'm saying? That as a follower of Christ, we're always learning and we should always be teachable because God wants to lead in our lives. So the scripture, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord in Psalms 37 and 23, and then the scripture that you're, you're using, here I am, send me, out of, Oza, out of Isaiah. Those scriptures are very applicable to the life of Priscilla and Aquila. Now, I want to just kind of add a little caveat here, because I know some of you are in ministry together with your spouse or perhaps a fiancé. There may be others of you, and I'm sure there are, that are here in, and you're studying for ministry, and you're single and you are not married, and you may be looking for a, a spouse, and you may not be. You know, that's up to you, okay? But what I want to say to you is, is that in this story, we have a wonderful picture of ministry through Paul, who was single, and through Priscilla and Aquila, who were married. Now, in my own life, I need to just share with you why I think all of this is important, and to give you a very quick glimpse of how God has worked in my life. When I was um, teaching school in Oklahoma, I picked up a Herald of Holiness, and that shows you how long ago that was, okay? But I picked up a Herald of Holiness and I read an article and it said, attention professionals, we need Christians who are willing to go work in intercultural ministry. If you're interested, contact Dr. Raymond Hearn. I read that article, and the Lord began to speak to me about that article, and I knew that that was something I wanted to do. And so I wrote a letter to Dr. Hearn, and through a whole variety of, of, of circumstances, I actually moved from Oklahoma, having lived with my parents right after graduation. I was single, moved to San Antonio, Texas, and began to work in a predominantly black, predominantly African-American church. I was the only white person in the church. It was interesting because I had a lot to learn and so did they. And we learned together. But it was a wonderful opportunity. And I spent the next 30 years 
of actually 31 years of ministry there in that church because I knew it was where God had taken me. He led me there. Now, that's how I got to San Antonio, and that's the job that I had. Now, I also, um, that's how I got there, and that's the ministry I had. I also went there as a teacher. And I want to say this to you, that when God calls you, you can know that you are divinely led. You can know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. You can know it in your heart of hearts and know that God has called you, and there isn't anything that anybody can say or do that can change that in your mind when you know that the Lord is leading you. Secondly, when you follow the Lord, you don't ever need to have any regrets. Don't ever look back. Just look straight ahead and know that God is in charge. Third, there is in working with the anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life, God will protect you. He will make sure that you're paid. He will provide for you. He will make sure that you are promoted. He will give you favor with people. And he will put you in positions where you can make a difference in the lives of people. When you have the direction of God in your life, those are some promises that you can take to the bank every day of your life. And then secondly, or I guess I'm about on the fourth one. I'm trying to hurry because I'm watching this little clock right here. And so I'm trying to hurry with what I want to say. But the other thing is, is that God's plan is always the best plan. God's plan is always the best plan. There may be other people who have other plans for you. Don't worry about those. God's plan is the best plan. Now, I was single. I stayed single. It wasn't because I wasn't looking. I just couldn't find the right person. Or the right person couldn't find me. Okay? What's something like that? And I would talk to God about that. I'd say, you know, Lord, I think it's about time you brought somebody into my life. You know, I would like to share some of these things. Nobody came, nobody came, nobody came. And years passed, okay? When I was 54 years old, 54 years old, the Lord brought Roger into my life. We dated for a few months and then we broke up for a year. God brought us back together. And when I was 56 years old, I was married for the first time, and when I said I do, I became a wife, a stepmom, a grandmother, a sister-in-law, and a pastor's wife, which I said I would never be. <laughs> Don't underestimate what God has in plan and store for you. But my life, because I truly believed God had a plan, and if I walked with him in obedience, he would provide for me. And we will soon be married five years. And we have the most wonderful, wonderful relationship. So I want to say to you, do not be afraid. Do not worry about what God has in store for you. If your heart is in alignment with God, if you are walking with him in obedience, he has a plan for you that is far better than anything you could possibly imagine. And the other question I want to say to you, and I want to ask you is this. If you don't follow God, who might be lost, 
because you didn't go. I would love to have time to tell you about this Bible study that I have with my Catholic friends. It is an absolute incredible testimony of God's faithfulness when people study his word. I mean, it is just every week I come back and I tell Raj all these exciting things. Because I don't know how many of you have ever had the privilege, but if you've, if you've taught Sunday school in church, and you know everybody sits and they've already heard that 500 times and they don't really usually get excited and you have to have some really exciting lesson for people to get excited for Sunday school, right? I mean, sometimes. Maybe that's not in your church, but sometimes that happens, right? But if you've got people who have never studied the Word and they're reading it and the Holy Spirit is talking to their hearts, every week a light bulb goes on. And every week something happens in their life that lets me know that God is working in them and through them to make a difference where they are. And that's an incredible ministry to be a part of. If I'd not been obedient, if I'd not followed God, I would never have had that privilege. So where is God leading you? What is it that he wants you to do? Be encouraged. God has a plan for you. Listen to the words of this song, and may they bless you this evening. In this age of uncertainty, questions come to my mind what is waiting ahead for me and the rest of mankind fear not tomorrow god is already there he's charting the course you'll take he sees each hidden snare he's waiting to guide you through each burden and care fear not tomorrow God is Is your future unsure? Are you dreading the coming dawn? A long day to endure. Fear not tomorrow. God is already there. He's charting course you'll take he sees each hidden snare he's waiting to guide you through each burden and care fear not tomorrow God is all 
Sorry. And then, and then Dr. Dr. Peggy is going to pray for us after we pray this prayer commission. Okay, let's pray it together. Lead me, Lord, I will follow. Lead me, Lord, I will go. You have called me, and I will answer. Lead me, Lord, I will go. Now, receive this benediction. Father God, we just thank you. I thank you so much for the story of Priscilla and Aquila. I thank you for the story of Paul and for the truth that there is in their lives. I thank you that the same God who called them calls us today. And Lord, I pray for every single person in this auditorium tonight. I don't know where you're calling them. I don't know what their path looks like, but I know that you know, and if they will walk in obedience and trust, you will not fail them, and you will be with them. Please provide for every need in their heart and in their life. If there are financial needs, Lord, open the windows of heaven and pour out your blessings upon them and reaffirm their call to you. If there are physical issues going on, be with them, touch them, bring healing to their body. Father, if there are relationship issues that need a divine touch from you, if there is forgiveness that is needed, may you reach out to them through the power of the Holy Spirit, bring them together in their relationships, unite them in their relationship with you, and may the Spirit of the Almighty God fall upon their life in such a way that they will make a difference. Not when they graduate, that too, Lord, but they'll make a difference right now where they're living, where they're serving. We don't know about tomorrow. It's not promised to us. All we know is that you are in our tomorrows, and we praise you and give you honor and glory, for you are our God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.